0: Welcome, and thank you so much for joining us. I'm Sandra Ladd, and I'm the Senior Minister for First Christian Church Stillwater. We are growing a Christ-centered, compassionate church where all can connect to God's love, and we hope that in this time you experience growth. We pray that this time will help you focus and center on Christ and that in this time, you will sense care and compassion. We pray that this time provide you with a deeper connection to the love of God. Grace and peace be with you. And again, we thank you so much for gifting us with your time. This is the final week of our sermon series, Room at the Table, highlighting scripture from the book of 1 Timothy. So, we are currently using the Revised Common Lectionary to select scripture passages. The RCL has an Old Testament passage, a Psalm, a New Testament passage, and a Gospel passage. So, the Old Testament passage this week is from Amos chapter 6, 1a, 4 through 7 reminding those who live in abundance that worldly riches can disappear quickly and offering encouragement to use your resources for good while you have them. Psalm 146 reminded me a lot of the new multi-generational Sunday school class that we have. They're doing a study called, What If Jesus Was Serious? I think I said that right. It's based on the Beatitudes, and it's actually a very similar message. Happy are, dot, 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 or blessed are, dot, dot, dot. So contrary to to the belief of many that blessed are the rich, blessed are the successful, the worldly, the powerful, the popular... Scripture actually teaches that blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek and those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. And blessed are those who are persecuted for doing good. It's kind of an upside down of what our minds typically think. In our political age, we often are just Reading and hearing the news often genuinely is a stressful activity Um, and that leads us sometimes to place our hope in these charismatic leaders who promise to save us or that their plan is going to save us even when we know better. Psalm 146 offers this grounding advice not to trust in the plans of politicians or world leaders but to instead live your life in joyful accordance with the work that God is doing here and now. Always keep your eyes open to where God's at work because he always is at work. The gospel this week is from Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. It's the story of the rich man and Lazarus, and it helps us focus on what we do with what we have, the opportunities that we have to serve our neighbors It teaches that virtues are not determined by wealth or type of employment or gender or immigration status or body type. Virtue is lived out in our actions. Our responsibilities uh, in this life are real, our responsibilities to one another. And while fear may not be a really good motivator, compassion, vocation, stewardship, and gratitude can be, which is what brings us to the scripture that we're going to focus on today, the final chapter of 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 19. If you would, let's pause for a word of prayer. God, we do thank you for the gift, the gift of the good news. And we thank you that the news is good. If we don't see it or hear it as good, then we need to reassess how we're evaluating. Forgive us for the times that we hear but we just fail to heed. Guide us today into truth. Set us free from everything that hinders and holds back. Help us to know what truly brings life, life worth living, and give us strength and courage to choose those things that bring true benefit. In your name we pray, amen. I'm gonna invite Russ up to the lectern. He's gonna help me today as we read this passage together in unison. So we do need your help. It's a little longer than our previous passages. So we're gonna divide and conquer. I will lead this side of the congregation and Russ is gonna lead that side of the congregation. We are going to read the even number, or we're going to read the odd numbers, okay? And they are going to read the even numbers. So if you're watching online, I want to encourage you to jump in and join in with either group. Please turn to page 198 in your pew bibles you can follow along there or up on the screen it will be there too please stand if you are able or sit and read out loud if you prefer Um, we're going to read this along together six is an even number so this side over here is going to start okay and then we're going to pick up with verse seven and we will alternate back and forth first timothy six six through 19 let's do this all right
1: hear the word of the Lord. Of course, there is great gain in godliness combined with contentment.
0: For we brought nothing into the world so that we can take nothing out of it.
1: But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these.
0: But those who want to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction
1: for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil and in their eagerness to be rich some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains
0: but as for you man of god shun all this pursue righteousness godliness faith, love, endurance, gentleness.
1: Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and for which you were made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses.
0: In the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you
1: to keep the commandment without spot or blame until the manifestation of our Lord Jesus Christ,
0: which he will bring about at the right time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords.
1: It is he alone who has immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen.
0: As for those who in the present age are rich, command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment.
1: They are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share.
0: Thus, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. Wow, give yourselves a hand. Thank you, Russ. There has long been a fascination with final words, the last words that a person utters before passing. There's a special fascination with the last words of the famous. There's an emphasized importance, I guess, that people assume that this last bit of energy or ability to communicate will be used to share special wisdom. I'm going to share a few of these and I'll let you determine French grammarian Dominique Bohaus uttered, I am about to, or I am going to, die. Either expression is used. The last words of Emily Dickinson were, I must go in, the fog is rising. Thomas Edison's final words were, it is very beautiful over there. An internet blogger shared these last words of his great uncle who flew for the Navy in World War II and then flew commercial jets for 30 years, spoken to his brother while laying in a hospital bed, it looks like a good night to fly. Steve Jobs' last words were written about in his sister's touching eulogy for him. Steve's final words were monosyllables, repeated three times. Before embarking, he had looked at his sister Patty and then a long time at his children, and then at his life's partner, Lorraine, and then over their shoulders, past them, and spoke his final words, oh wow, oh wow, oh wow. Bob Marley's final words, money can't buy life. Oscar Wilde, either that wallpaper goes or I do. Apparently the wallpaper didn't go. Ludwig van Beethoven, Friends applaud, the comedy is finished. And the last one, and my personal favorite, playwright, Wilson Misner. When a priest said, I am sure you want to talk to me, to Wilson while he was on his deathbed, he responded with these last words, why should I talk to you? I've been talking to your boss. (laughs) First and second Timothy are Paul's final words. Written from a prison cell to a young preacher that he was mentoring, Timothy, Timothy, He most likely knew that he was going to die in that prison. So these are powerful, meaningful words that provide inspiration and impact. It's extremely interesting that verse 6, written so very long ago, addresses a problem that still exists today. Then, just as now... The gospel of prosperity was preached by false teachers who supposed that religious faith was a means to material success. Paul asserts, of course, of course there is gain in godliness. Yes, it is beneficial. However, godliness must be combined with contentment. Because we brought nothing into this world, we are not going to take anything out of this world. Stuff, things, accumulation, it is not going to matter in the end. When I was in high school, there was a popular t-shirt that said, he who dies with the most toys still dies. It's that kind of concept. We brought nothing into this world. We're not going to take anything out of this world. The word contentment actually means self sufficiency, not being uh, being dependent on external things for internal peace and happiness. It was a favorite virtue of the first century Stoics and other pagan philosophers. But here, it's understood in a Christian sense, meaning that we are not self-centered, we are not dependent on our own ability to provide our own peace and happiness, but instead we are dependent on God those things notice it is not the rich who fall into temptation but those who desire to be rich greed the desire for more accumulation according to scripture is a trap it's a trap that causes senseless and harmless harmful desires that plunge I love that word it plunges people into ruin and destruction If you don't believe that statement, then you're not watching Dateline because greed, the desire for lots of money, wanting to have more than what you need causes people to concoct crazy, extreme schemes. And the outcome is rarely what they hope to achieve because you can't enjoy insurance money from prison. Scripture emphasizes it's not money that's the root of all kinds of evil. It is the love of money that causes some to wander from the faith and be pierced by many pains. How many friendships have dissolved over disputes about money? How many families have split over financial matters? How many relationships are broken because people value money more than they value relationships? And the effect is pain that God never intended us to experience. Paul offers this advice to Timothy, shun all of this. Instead, pursue, and these are strong words, shun, push it away, turn away from it, and pursue or run after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. I have to ask you, does the church, which is not this building, but its members, heed the advice of Paul? Do we shun material gain and instead run after, pursue, desire, want more than anything else, righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness? Do we consider achievement the acquisition of those things over Building really large reserves is our focus on accumulation of things or money or stuff or the accumulation of things that really matter. Scripture says, fight the good fight. So if this were easy, if it were natural, those words probably would not be included. This is an attitude. This is a mindset that we have to fight for every single day. I wanted to point out it says take hold of eternal life. So it's not just like reaching out, it is taking hold and let and hanging on to for dear life. That's such an important phrase. Last week we talked about the work of Christ being accomplished, it's already done. And I believe that's true. But what does it mean to take hold of that and hang on for eternal life? To me, it's that a gift can be given, but it doesn't necessarily mean you've received it. Because you can't take hold of it, even though it's yours. Or you haven't taken hold of it, even though it's yours. It's the same uh, concept with true freedom. Your ransom can be bought and paid for, but you have to step into that freedom. The reality is, if you've been held captive for a really long time, if you've been a prisoner and you have been held back from the fullness of life, stepping into that freedom is a process. You can want it wholeheartedly, but it's usually not instantaneous. It takes time for your mind to absorb, for your whole, to, for your soul to absorb, for your spirit to receive. Take hold. ...of eternal life to which you were called and for which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So this is Paul and he's speaking to Timothy who had accepted Christ, been baptized into the faith, and called into ministry. And that's a standard pattern. We see that presented in scripture often. It was followed even by Jesus himself. We step into our faith, evidenced by our baptism, followed by being called into ministry... Remember, the main emphasis of Paul to Timothy is that God desires to save all. That's God's desire, is that all come to the knowledge of the truth of his great love for all humanity. Baptism, confession, we said this last week, I'll say it over and over again, they do not save you, God does that. But they are holy, And sacred tools that help us to receive the salvation that God has provided and equip us to step fully into our life calling, whatever that is. Baptism, it's a holy moment. It's a moment that ministers to our physical, emotional, and spiritual being in God-ordained ways that we have difficulty describing. Gives us strength and courage to invite others into those same waters. Verse 13 reminds us that God's good and perfect will is for all people's lives to be lived to the full. It reminds us of Jesus' testimony to Pilate, his own good confession as an example for us to follow. My kingdom is not of this world. To this end, I was born. For this cause, I came into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. We were born to give our lives in service and in sacrifice to others. How we do that, it is as diverse as we are. Along with that service and sacrifice, we are called to share the truth that God loves all and desires all to be in relationship with Him. In verse 15, We see that phrase that we've seen over and over again and again in Scripture, at just the right time. Jesus came into this world as a baby born in Bethlehem at just the right time. He died and was raised from the dead at just the right time. And he is coming back again at just the right time. You know, all kinds of people make all kinds of claims about when that time will be, what the world, when the world didn't recognize Jesus the first time because they expected him to come as a king and not as a baby, it is highly likely that we don't know the time of the second coming. Scripture tells us no one knows, it tells us instead, instead of trying to make determinations that we are unable to make to spend our time and our energy just being ready. Just doing what we're called to do, living the way that we're called to live. To me, guys, that's not a warning to heed. It's a reminder that there's a celebration to come. In verse 15, we see that word sovereign again. God is ever and always in control, able to bring beauty from chaos, bring life back from the ashes of destruction and cause good to come from evil intentions According to verse 16, God is immortal and his life rules forever and ever. And I love that verse 17 follows an amen. Ministers are not the only ones that people think, it's done, we're finished, and then we start back up again. Apparently, Paul started that pattern. He had one more important thing to say. For those who are rich, don't be prideful. Or think of yourselves as better than others who have less. Don't put your hope in those riches. But trust in God that provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Sovereign God. Always in control. Always working on behalf of people. The God of all creation. Gosh, isn't it good news that that God wants us to enjoy Life, enjoy each other, enjoy experiences. He gives so that we can live not in bondage or hindered or held back by anything. The rich, in order to live into the fullness of life, need to do good with what they have. Not to be guilty that they have more than others, but to give out of their accumulation. Be rich in good deeds. Be generous contribute to worthy causes share with others you know a good financial manager is beneficial but following Paul's advice it's crucial it is the foundation for the future providing greater stability that is better than the best stocks bonds or money markets heeding this advice will help you take hold of life that according to scripture really is life Every time the lottery would accumulate to really a significant prize, Rick's dad used to drive to Ark City because we didn't have them in Oklahoma at that time and purchase one lottery ticket. We used to tease him about it because we'd say, you can't spend all of your Social Security check. What are you going to do with a lottery prize? And he would always respond, oh, I wouldn't spend it on me, but I'd have lots of fun giving it all away. He was the kind of person who would have done exactly that. He was the lottery prize for our family. The story of God from beginning to end teaches us that life is not about the accumulation of worldly wealth. It is about giving out of the abundance that you have been given. Next week, we move on to 2 Timothy but I can't wrap up this series without sharing just this one little piece from my heart. You know, I followed the lectionary, so I hope you've learned a lot from the passages that we've covered, but we skipped over a whole lot of First Timothy, including the verse that instructs men to pray and women to dress modestly and remain silent in church. Orders spread the structure of worship, but they're the structures of the family, etc. And I have to say that I am not afraid to address those passages and they were not left out in an effort to gloss over the hard stuff i hope that what you've learned as we've studied these passages is that the story of god is proclaimed from beginning to end to understand every chapter and verse you need to read it along with other passages with other passages study it in context look at to whom it was written and the purpose A whole lot of damage has been done taking select passages and using them to proclaim personal doctrine and opinion totally contrary to the entire story of God. May we be faithful hearers, faithful followers, and faithful stewards. Amen.